From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio communities. This week on The Outlet, schools push for a new way to be evaluated by the state. One of the issues uh, about the report card is that the current one isn't fair. It does not demonstrate or show uh, progress that's being made in the schools, and especially schools where you've got a lot of economically disadvantaged uh, students. And a program at Hawking College is helping people back on their feet. They don't doubt anything that I want to do with my life. Like they have hope in me too. And that makes me feel good. They didn't hold my past against me. They were just willing to help me with my future. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. The Ohio House recently passed an ambitious education bill that remedies longtime complaints about the state's school evaluation systems. But Dylan Tyson reports the road to the governor's desk was a rocky one for the state's latest academic reform. We will now bring forward uh, Substitute House Bill 82 for its second hearing. Ohio House Bill 82 began simply as a revision. It would allow high school juniors to opt out of their annual state-funded ACT exam and remove the ACT graduation requirement. The issue was that students who were not planning to attend college were blowing off a test they didn't even need to take. And to many administrators, including Federal Hawking Superintendent David Hanning, this decision was a no-brainer. We have, we have a significant number of students. Um, you know, I think it's better than 50% that, that don't go to college. The state has been spending $4.9 million in public funds every spring to administer these tests. Plus, hundreds of universities no longer require the ACT for admission, including Ohio University. But most notably, students' apathy towards standardized tests has a direct impact on the annual school performance reports, a rating which in turn affects economic development and homeownership. Hanning recognizes that rural schools like federal hawking are disproportionately affected. It does adversely affect your report card. But a lot of things adversely affect the report card. That's a, that's a different issue. Looking to level the playing field, the Ohio House unanimously passed that version of the bill on June 15th. But when it was introduced to the Senate, the bill was amended to address a separate long-held concern of school administrators regarding those aforementioned district report cards. And with the help of Senate Education Committee Chair Andrew Brenner, the amended bill became a far more ambitious one. One of the issues uh, about the report card is that the current one isn't fair. It does not demonstrate or show uh, progress that's being made in the schools, and especially schools where you've got a lot of economically disadvantaged uh, students. According to Brenner, it's a reform that's been in bipartisan discussion for more than two years. The amendment was pulled from legislation that's long been dormant. Meanwhile, bill sponsors were working with teachers unions, administrative organizations, and schools from across the state to improve a complicated evaluation system. But why now, and why add it to this bill? Brenner explains. We came to this agreement realizing that we wanted a new report card ready for the next school year. Uh, and that's why we spent you know, countless hours on the phone, in meetings, working on this over the last several weeks. Brenner believed that attaching the provisions of past legislation to a bill that had lots of bipartisan momentum would help complete the process as quickly as possible. Uh, I think people know that there was plenty of, of public process and a lot of process for the various uh, school organizations to come in and testify. One of those testimonies was submitted locally from Fort Fry High School. 
Superintendent Stephanie Starcher opposed the previous legislation, but says many of her concerns have since been addressed and that the amendment is a step in the right direction. I know that Representative Jones and Senator Brenner both are genuinely interested in improving the report card system and have worked really hard and listened to educators about this. Hanning is among the majority of superintendents who have long complained that the system fails to compensate for districts with limited resources, reduces students to a single standardized test score, and does not credit schools for improving on past shortcomings, all the while being too difficult to understand. They have a 40-page document that tells you how to read the report card. So if you've got to sit down with a 40-page document in order to get anything out of this, I think it is a waste of, it's a waste of taxpayer dollars. Hanning also spoke extensively on Southeast Ohio's challenge of supporting students who are struggling at home, those efforts unrecognized by the current report card. Kids come through the, the, the doors every morning with whatever they left home with. So whatever emotional baggage that they had, whatever trials and tribulations, and then we spend a lot of time trying to help those kids work through that just so that they're ready to learn. So it, it's just one of those things that people don't understand unless they come and see what it actually looks like. And with this new legislation, the report card system will undergo a complete overhaul. Most notably, district evaluations will now account for data regarding available resources, such as student-staff ratio, course offerings, and technology and transportation availability. The new report card will utilize a star rating, complete with descriptions of each component and their ratings, along with trend arrows to emphasize growth over time. And each of the report card's six components will be calculated in new ways to credit student growth and commend schools offering unique opportunities, rather than strictly rewarding academic output. Brenner recognized that this is just the beginning of making school evaluations a just system. Not everything in this bill, everybody agrees to, but we felt that we needed a compromise and we needed something where we're moving the ball forward that I think every school district will agree to is, is a better system. The bill quickly passed through the Ohio Senate and the House confirmed its amendments last Friday by an 89 to 3 vote. If the governor signs it into law, the new system will take effect for next school year and a review committee would be established for possible revision after the following year. It's definitely an improvement over the current report card system. You know, I'm going to take what we can get at this point, and I just hope that um, we will have legislation that says the report card system is required to be reviewed every so many years. Although Superintendent Hanning is optimistic for a more inclusive report card ahead, he believes the state has a long way to go before district evaluations can truly be fair. It's difficult to put a statewide grade card uh, in place when we haven't yet addressed all the inadequacies and inequities between school districts. And until we do something to fix that, the grade card's not going to be a fair reflection. Dylan Tyson reporting for The Outlet. Last week, many Athens residents were both surprised and curious when a flurry of motorcycles descended on Uptown Athens. Taylor Burnett reports it started when over 200 members of the Valkyrie Riders Cruiser Club got a police escort down Court Street. In front of Ohio University's College Green, residents and riders alike perused the street full of parked motorcycles all of them Honda Valkyries. 
The club has a long history in southeast Ohio, but this was the club's first time staying in Athens for a motorcycle rally, an event where riders gathered together and do and talk all things motorcycle. The Valkyrie riders held their first rally in Zanesville in 2001, and they returned to Ohio 20 rallies later to again ride the Windy Nine, a set of curvy roads ideal for motorcycles, all of which lead back to Athens. The club has members across the continental U.S., as well as riders from Canada and Europe. However, this year's rally had to go on without the international riders because of the pandemic. It's like a big family reunion we do once a year, you know, and everyone just comes to see everybody else and then get in a lot of nice riding. So we try to pick an area, you know, that has some beautiful roads and beautiful riding. Lori Holmes helped pick the location for this year's rally. She says when she and other organizers came to Athens, they didn't need to visit the other option. Athens served as a great place to gather the club. The Valkyrie riders did a number of activities together during their time in Athens. Groups rode the Windy Nine and other places around the region. There was also a bike parade to Uptown Athens and bike games where riders and their passengers completed different challenges. Holmes' favorite event was the lunch on the Hawking Valley Scenic Railway in Nelsonville. The club also gives back to the region they are visiting. This year, they held a blood drive and a charity auction. Holmes says the Brain Injury Association of Ohio benefited from this year's auction. And they do a lot of good work, you know, for people that have suffered traumatic brain injuries. This year's rally raised more than $10,000. The rally had attendees from all walks of life, with the youngest being 19 and the oldest being 96 and a half. For club members like President Connie Hammond, this year's rally was significant after last year. The club had a rally in 2020, but only around half of its regular attendees were able to make it. Because we postponed it and things were still going on, we had about half the size that we usually have. So it kind of was a bummer. So people were really anxious this year to get here because they were just ready for a vacation from all that. For The Outlet, I'm Taylor Burnett. Coming up after the break. That gave me hope like, that I can do this. I want to be something my kids can be proud of. I don't want my kids to ever feel like I do about my parents. I want them to be like, my mom's awesome. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. A new program at Hawking College is helping people that are experiencing homelessness to get back on their feet. Reporter Lexi Lepoff met with one of the participants. Elizabeth Cook has dealt with substance use her whole life. Her parents both struggled with addiction. Cook's own substance use disorder began when she was 12, which led to her dropping out of high school. She went on to face legal trouble while trying to protect her younger sister, who was being dealt heroin at age 15. At that point, I thought my life was like over. There's no point in trying. Like, I'm a felon with no high school diploma, no GED, like there's no chance. Cook was in recovery for a short time while on Subutex, a drug used to treat opioid dependency. During this time, she had her two children. Shortly after the birth of her son, both of her parents died from an accidental overdose, which led to her to begin using meth. Her addiction resulted in her arrest shortly after. Rather than prison, Cook was taken to Star, 
a correctional center for nonviolent felony offenders. At STAR, she reached active recovery and was given the chance to get her high school diploma at 30 years old. Cook admits she went into the program with the intention of just going through and did not understand the life-changing impact it would have on her life. That gave me hope, like, that I can do this. I want to be something my kids can be proud of. I don't want my kids to ever feel like I do about my parents. I want them to be like, my mom's awesome. Cook was released from STAR in March, and when she returned to the home she had lived in her entire life, she found it destroyed by an acquaintance that she let stay there. This forced her to have to sleep on the couch at her grandparents' home. Cook was determined to stay in recovery following her release and had the goal of starting college in the fall and got a job at McDonald's in the meantime. Then she found out about the Hope at Hawking College program, which gave her the opportunity to start classes right away. It was like... I could make a change in my life right now, like today, like this is possible. The program provides campus housing for people experiencing homelessness along with 14 meals a week and free education. The program was spearheaded by Hawking College President Dr. Betty Young, who says participants have to remain in recovery and work a full day either with classes or a job at the college. There's not a free ride, but I also think with that comes some self-respect, that you're not getting a handout that you're actually getting a hand up. And that's what this program's about. Young says the program is close to her heart because she grew up in poverty in Southeast Ohio and got herself through college as a single mom while working full time. Neither of Young's parents went to college and her mother didn't graduate from high school. But for me now to be able to come back here to Southern Ohio and to deliver on what this program delivers, it's awesome. Cook currently works in the college's career center and says that Hawking staff's ability to stay open-minded has served as an inspiration for her to reach her goals. They don't doubt anything that I want to do with my life. Like, they have hope in me, too, and that makes me feel good. They didn't hold my past against me. They were just willing to help me with my future. Cook has been in active recovery for 27 months and said that her recovery has inspired her younger sister to also begin the journey to recovery. She hopes that her story will also inspire other people with substance use disorder to work towards recovery. Being an addict is rough. Feeling like there's no one and no hope and no help and not knowing where to go or who to turn to. You feel lost and alone. Like you'll use and you still feel miserable. It's a constant battle of nowhere. Like it just, it's a feeling that I can't, I'll never forget. And I just hope that all the people that struggle with addiction finds the hope that I found. Cook has set goals to continue her education at Hawking to get her degree in heavy equipment management. She hopes to open her own business to hire ex-felons and those in recovery. She wants to give them the second chance that Hawking gave her. Once you're in that life so long, you just get stuck. You don't feel like it's possible, like you're smart enough or driven enough or capable. And now I see that I am. For the outlet, I'm Lexi Lepoff in Nelsonville. Community colleges could soon offer four-year degrees in nursing if a bill in the state legislature gets approval. But Will Price reports Ohio's public and private universities are raising concerns about the potential consequences of the bill.
Ohio Senate Bill 135 is a wide-ranging piece of legislation dealing with education. It contains provisions that try to lessen the burden of student debt, expand free speech protections on campuses and K-12 schools, and more. One section that has drawn a lot of attention would allow community colleges to offer four-year nursing degrees. That's because universities across the state believe offering duplicative degree programs could be problematic. University of Finley President Catherine Fell says she believes offering these degrees could damage existing nursing programs around the state. We would be spending a great number of taxpayer dollars to offer bachelor degrees that, that may duplicate what is already offered and every program would be weakened. Miami University formally opposed the legislation. Regional Campus Dean Catherine Bishop-Clark says she thinks these programs wouldn't be the best way to address the nursing shortage. The argument isn't that we don't need nurses. We need nurses. The idea is perhaps a better way, and I would suggest that the better way is to expand the existing nursing programs. Bishop-Clark says they have three main issues with the proposed legislation. Needing high-quality, prepared nursing faculties. The second is clinical placement, and then the third is it costs money to run BSN programs, considerable money. It's one of our more expensive programs. Community colleges say they are prepared to offer these programs. Cynthia Spears is the president of Road State Community College in Lima. She says the college has everything to offer these programs. So we have the faculty credentials. We have a 50,000 square foot facility that will open this August. We have our curriculum completed. The last pieces for the school are having the bill pass and submitting their program for approval. The private and public institutions in Ohio that have this program are, are phenomenal. The issue is not whether any of us are better than anyone else. We're all really good at what we do. The condition of the workforce is what we should all be focusing on. Washington State Community College President Vicki Wood says change is needed to help hospitals. You know, we have hospitals spending millions of dollars trying to meet this workforce needs. So as a state, we have to do something different. We can't continue doing what we're doing and think that we're going to get different results. Memorial Health System in Marietta deals with the nursing shortage daily. Chief Nursing Executive Paige Smith says the organization has had nearly 80 nursing vacancies since the onset of the pandemic. Typically, they have 40 to 50 openings. Memorial Health System has been hiring travel nurses who typically work on 13-week contracts and come at a higher cost. Smith says for these reasons, the organization is in favor of the legislation. You know, it'll help us recruit as a healthcare organization, and um, it, it will just be advantageous for us as a community. For the outlet, I'm Will Price. The Southern Ohio Copperheads are still in the community even though COVID-19 ended their season before it began. Brian Kermp went to the Athens Sandlot as a team recently hit the diamond to help out some young ball players in the area. Young ball players grabbed their bats and gloves for the Copperheads hitting and pitching clinic in Athens this past weekend. Copperheads Vice President Annie Valiant said that the Cheds wanted to give back to the community even though they won't have a season. 
We knew we couldn't have our traditional season or we weren't having our traditional season, so what could we do to give back to the youth? And we had a number of students here who were excited to give back to the community too. And um, so we, we partnered up and, and came up with four different clinics um, that we were able to get over 350 kids registered for. Tim Hanna is the director of community outreach for the Copperheads. He said the fundamental clinics are free of charge through a partnership with Ohio Health. We reached out to Ohio Health uh, to see if we could get something put together. Um, make it free for the kids, uh, give, just give them something fun to do, you know, a couple hours in the afternoon. Ohio Health uh, put the money up for us to do it, bought all the t-shirts, the food, all that kind of stuff. The team works with kids of all skill levels. The kids go through hitting, throwing, and fielding drills. Marley and Brantley Christman never played organized softball or baseball before, but now they hope to step up to the plate soon. So what was your favorite part of the clinic? Uh, probably getting to bat. What was yours? Getting to bat. A great afternoon for the kids and another way for the Copperheads to engage with the community. Copperheads! I've got really good positive feedback from the parents. A couple of them have already let me know, you know, my kids had a great time. So that's really what we wanted. Reporting for the outlet in Athens, I'm Brian Kerr. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The outlet is produced each week by me, Michael Weirich. We're edited by Aaron Payne and David Forrester. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, or find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore woub and Instagram at woub underscore outlet. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Southeastern Ohio region.